Hi, and welcome to our podcast at Elim Life Church. We're really praying that you would be impacted by God's word as you listen today. If you've got any stories of answered prayer or you'd like to get in touch in any way, please contact us via our website, www.elimlifechurch.co.uk. God bless. So it's my privilege today to continue with this series of Unleashed. And you know, what a beautiful time we've spent in worship and around communion, remembering Jesus, reflecting on Jesus, thinking about Jesus and the impact he's made in our lives and is making in our lives. The reality that Holy Spirit is at work in us to open our eyes to understand who Jesus is. And really, this whole series of Unleashed is about us maybe capturing afresh that sense of who Jesus is in our lives, that sense of his calling on our lives, and the power of God's Holy Spirit at work in us and with us and through us to enable us to walk with Christ and to live for him. And right at the very start of this whole series, God showed me a picture of an athlete of an athlete poised, ready for the starting gun to go off, ready for all of that raw energy, raw potential, coiled energy, ready for all those months and years of training to suddenly be unleashed. And then the starter gun goes and boom, they're off. They're in to the race. They're unleashed. And God spoke to me about the fact that that's really a metaphor of what happened in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit came and was unleashed upon God's people in a fresh and a new way, and the church was born. The church that wasn't about buildings, although we're grateful for buildings. The church that was about keeping Jesus at the center and inviting Holy Spirit to empower and enable in all things, to bring about this commission that Jesus gives to every disciple to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And so as we looked at, uh, right at the very start of our series a few weeks ago, in Acts 2, the Spirit is unleashed and so is the church. We've been thinking about the presence of God in our lives, the presence of Holy Spirit who comes to live in us through faith in Jesus that is within us and around us to encourage us and equip us and help us in all things. And then last week, we began to think about the unleashed people You know that as the presence of God is everywhere, as people are getting healed and saved and set free, as these foundations of prayer and breaking bread, word and the fellowship, as that is all kind of being unleashed on the world, people's lives are being impacted and they're being transformed by God. They're being transformed through his people saying, I will be unleashed. I will go where you tell me to go. I will be obedient. And so last week we thought about Saul who became the apostle Paul. An encounter with Jesus, with his life getting redirected, enabled by the Holy Spirit, he's given a new identity and a new passion and a new purpose. And today, I'd love us to pick up that story in Acts chapter 16. So if you've got a Bible, really hope that whether you're watching on demand or online live with us or you're in the building, you've got a Bible, it can be on a tablet or a smartphone, I I do love this. Maybe it's because it's like really bright and sparkly, but I do love my actual paper Bible. And we're going to pick up 
a little bit later in Paul's story. We're going to think about him and another person today. We are coming to a place where Paul has been established as an apostle. He's been planting churches, pioneering. He's been gathering teams of people. He's done a first missionary journey. And now he's about to head into his second missionary journey. And as we've been doing, I want us to reflect. I want us to reflect on what's actually happening in the account in the Bible. I want us to use this as an opportunity to review our own situation, our hearts. Where are we before God? And then to pray for that release of a fresh move of the Spirit in our lives, with our lives, and through our lives. So we're going to pick up in verse uh, chapter 16 and in verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they set off across the Aegean Sea into what was then modern, uh, what then was like now modern-day Greece, the northern region of modern-day Greece. This is the first time that they're stepping into European continent. This is the first time, this is the furthest the gospel has ever gone. And so picking it up in verse 11 from Troas, we put out to sea, sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. So the Spirit of God has spoken to Paul and his team. He's had this vision of a man of Macedonia begging. They've redirected their efforts. They've gone, okay, God's clearly closed that door. We're going to be open to the Spirit, and we're going to go this way. And today, we're, we're going to think about a particular person, a group of people who are the first converts, one lady in particular, on the European continent. So let's carry on on verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. You see, Paul's usual theme and idea was that he would go to a place and he would try and find wherever the Jewish people were gathering or the Gentiles were gathering. You often go to the Jews first. And he would try and find a synagogue. Now, the fact that there's not a synagogue means that there maybe weren't enough Jewish men to form a synagogue. But wherever there wasn't a synagogue, there was often a place of prayer, often near the river. So Paul and his team are looking around Philippi. There's, they can't find a synagogue. They go to the place of prayer. They're looking for people who are seeking and searching. They want to give them the full good news of who Jesus is. Coming back to end of verse 13, it says, We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. 
Now, this is just a short account. The book of Acts is jam-packed full of these amazing accounts of God by his spirit, maneuvering and redirecting and realigning, of, of impacting people's lives, of their lives being changed. We, we see this all throughout the book of Acts. And this seems like quite a small part of God's word and really not that much information about this lady, Lydia. You know, her life is completely changed in this encounter And uh, she is unleashed into the mission and the ministry of the kingdom. I want to say today, in this moment, in this world, in our world, in our current situation, God is still doing that. God is still unleashing his people into his mission and his ministry. So whoever you are, and however long or short you've been following Jesus, he wants to call you to say, would you listen to what the Spirit is saying? Would you join in with what I'm doing? So let's think a little bit about Lydia. Now, she's an example of a, a significant woman, and uh, you know her conversion is that she's one of the founding members of the Philippian church. If you've re- ever read the book of Philippians in the Bible that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, imagine Lydia receiving that letter uh, a few years down the track. She's a founding member of the church. And uh, I'm going to show you on the screen a, a print I love this image. In fact, I have this image at home. Uh, It's by a lady called Sarah Beth Backer, and she uh, has this incredible artwork where she's taken the women of the Bible who often are silenced or not made as much a big deal of, and she's imagined and interpreted what they might look like. And it's not just because Lydia's a dealer of purple, my favorite color, I promise, that I've decided. But I think there's something about the way that she responds to God that we can learn in our lives. She's originally from a place called Thyatira. Are you ready for history? Oh, one of you are. Okay, hopefully online you're all like, yes, or on demand. You're like, come on, we want history. Well, it's, it's not that much, so don't get excited. Thyatira was really well known in ancient world as being the epicenter of the cloth dyeing business. Now, I know that just astounded you. You're like, my life is now complete, Sarah. Thank you for that bit of information. But Lydia has clearly found out a business around this, and she's moved from that epicenter to set up in Philippi. It's a Roman colony. It's a port city. It's busy and noisy. It's a trade route. And, And she's a businesswoman. And she's setting up to deal, to sell cloth, purple cloth. Now, why is purple cloth uh, important? Because only the wealthy and the elite were able to uh, take purple cloth in those days. Most people would be in natural colors to dye it. There was a massive process. And so most people who were having purple cloth in those days were wealthy and elite. So this is starting to paint a bit of a picture about Lydia. She's moved from where she grew up. There's no mention of any kind of men, family, or husband in her life. She's moved to another place. She's set up a business. She's working with the wealthy and the elite. She's selling them this luxury fabric to wear, to have in their homes, all sorts of places. And we're given her name. Have you ever read through the Bible and wondered why some people are given names and some people aren't? Yeah, me too. I don't have any answers for that. I don't know why. But the story of Philippi, we hear stories of the slave girl and the jailer, but we never find out their names. And yet Lydia here is named. She's described as a worshiper of God. 
Now, what that meant before she had that full revelation of Jesus is that she's probably from like a Gentile pagan background. She would have grown up worshipping the Roman or Greek gods that existed at the time or that people worshipped at the time. But it's clear that Lydia is on something of a journey because she's left that background behind to embrace the Jewish faith. She's realized, okay, there's one God and I want to worship him. So she's found amongst these people of prayer, this Jewish community, this handful of community. It's clear that she's seeking God, that she's searching for faith, that she's on a journey, that she's courageous enough to step out of the expected norms to do so. No wonder the Holy Spirit said stop to Paul and his team and redirected them to Macedonia because God is at work in this woman's life, in her household's life, and that Paul is listening into what the Spirit is saying and saying, I need to go to where God has asked me to. And he arrives, and instead of seeing a man from Macedonia begging for the gospel, he meets a woman from Macedonia called Lydia. Her heart is opened to the message that Paul shares, the message of Jesus. And she becomes a Christian, and her home becomes a base of operations while they're there for the, for the good news of Jesus to launch into the rest of Europe. And so there's three things I'd love us to consider about Lydia today. I want us to consider her openness, I want us to consider her faith, and I want us to consider her courage. Her openness, her faith, and her courage. What can we learn as we reflect on her life? How can we review our life in the light of what we're learning about her? And what do we need to pray, Spirit of God, bring a fresh release? Well, first of all, there's an incredible openness to God here, isn't there? An incredible openness to the Holy Spirit from Paul and Lydia. So Paul is like, I'm off on my missionary journey. I've got my team. Can you imagine turning up to go on a mission to somewhere like Tanzania or Cambodia, getting here, and the Holy Spirit saying, no, I want you to go to India instead. And you going, okay, we'll redirect to wherever you send us to. That's what's happening here. They are good to go. They're ready. And twice we're told in Acts 16, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus says, no, go here. Then there's a vision. Talk about confirming signs. Aren't you grateful that God affirms his word? And he confirms his word. And so Paul and his team, okay, right, we're gonna, we're gonna jump on a boat. We're gonna sail. I mean, this was no mean feat in those days. It's not like you could catch the number 33 bus and get yourself into town, you know? This was a significant journey. And yet they're willing to be open to the Spirit of God, to be redirected in their plans and their ideas according to God. Can you imagine if Paul had said, no, no, God, we've got a better idea. I think we're going to go here instead. Maybe the gospel wouldn't have made it to Europe. Maybe for those of us who are watching or in person today who are from Europe and in Europe, maybe that good news wouldn't have got to us in the way that it did with the speed that it did, with the fullness that it did. Paul was open to the Spirit. And when we think about this story, of course we go, yes, he was. But just think about the faith and the courage that that took. To go, I trust you, God, and I'm going to be bold with my actions. An openness to the Spirit, faith in operation, and courage. And we are recipients of the good news because Paul was willing to be open to the Spirit. I wonder today, how open are you to the Spirit of God? Redirecting you, realigning you, resetting you. You know, if this year has taught us anything... It's that we can't rely on anything other than God, <laughs> that actually he's the one who's unchanging and he's the one who can see the end from the beginning. So our faith and our trust and our openness and our courage 
is found in him. And maybe, although this year hasn't been the way that you wanted it to be, perhaps, perhaps, Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention to say, I'm trying to realign you. I'm trying to reset you. I'm trying to redirect you because because there's fruitfulness for the kingdom to come the other side of this. You might not understand why I said no to that thing, and it seems like your life is on a different track, but, but there's something to come that I need your obedience for. I need your openness for. And so he arrives at this place of prayer, and there's a group of women, and Lydia is named. And I don't know if you picked up, but it says one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. Now, the original Greek word for that idea of listening was attentive and seeking to hear God's voice. Wow. So Lydia's not just there and like, okay, who are these crazy people? They've turned up. What have they got to tell us? Her posture is one of attentive seeking and listening. She's wanting to hear from God. That really challenges me and encourages me at the same time that when we are attentive to God, when our posture is to seek and to listen to him, that God will respond to us because it says the Lord opens her heart to receive the message. And that word opened means to fully receive, to fully receive. You know when you get something for your birthday or Christmas and maybe it comes in a couple of parts have you ever had this when you've ordered something and it comes and one of the parts is missing and so the thing doesn't work, anyone? I'm going to just assume that some of you have. I can see an actual hand in the room. Woo-hoo. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? It's like, all I have, I've got all this, but I can't quite make the complete picture. Every, come on, some of you must have had a jigsaw puzzle with it. That's happened right at the very end. Oh, the disappointment, the frustration, the pain. And this was Lydia's life. She's got part of the picture. She's almost there. But she doesn't understand that she needs to put her faith and trust in Jesus, that he's died for her, that he's offering her forgiveness and friendship and and eternity with him, that her sins, the wrong things she says and does and things, can be forgiven and she can have a fresh start. And Paul explains that to her and her heart is opened to the message, to receive the fullness. And she's very quick to respond to Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. No one coming to the Father except through the Son. Lydia allows God to open her heart further, and she in turn opens her home and her life in following Jesus. She immediately supports the mission and the ministry of the kingdom. It's seen in her hospitality. She's the owner of her own home. It's spacious enough to invite Paul and the team to stay and to hold meetings there. And later in the book of Acts, she is a refuge space for Paul and Silas after they are miraculously released from wrongful imprisonment. You know, God taking someone, realigning, redirecting their passion towards Jesus. She is unleashed into a whole new life and adventure of faith. And he does the same with us. She brings what she has, and we can bring what we have for the mission and ministry of God's kingdom. So I want you to consider your openness today. I want you to invite Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, would you just search my heart? Would you just review my heart a little bit? In this year where the words that we've heard more than ever are unprecedented and pivot, we have to move from one thing to another. How is God speaking to you by his Spirit We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Are we listening? Have we got that posture that's attentive? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? This is what I'm seeing, but what are you saying? What are you showing me? How open are we? How open are we to be redirected, realigned, or reset? And how open are we to joining in what the Holy Spirit is doing 
rather than trying to bend God to our own plans. Anyone do that sometimes? God, I've got this great idea. I'd really love to be doing this. If you could just come and bless that, that would be amazing. And you know he's gracious and sometimes he does. (laughs) But I've found over many years of following Jesus and being in leadership that the best way to live is to say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How can I join in with your plans? That's what Paul did. That's what Lydia does. How can I join in with your plans, God? Yes, I put my faith in you. Yes, I put my trust in you. Yes, now my whole household is baptized. Come on. Okay, I'm opening up my home, my life. I want to serve the ministry and mission of God. She is a woman of great openness to the things of God and the things of the Spirit. I want to encourage us to review our hearts in that. She shows great faith, doesn't she? She trusts in God. The, the piece of the puzzle is there. Romans 10, 17 tells us, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You know, that same word that's used for hearing in this verse is the same word that Paul used when he talks about Lydia listening. So she's listening for the word of God. She's listening for the message, and faith is born in her. She puts her trust in him. Her whole household gets baptized. There's that sense that she takes the truth of Jesus back to her household, and then her whole household come to faith in Jesus. She creates space and time and opportunity for them to hear. And when we think about household, that would have been staff because she was quite wealthy. That would have been family potentially. It might have been extended friends and and community. But essentially, the whole people that were under her influence get to hear the gospel and respond to the good news of Jesus. I wonder who's in your sphere of influence. Now, you could share the good news to create some time and space that the message and the good news of Jesus is for everyone. I love that she's a business leader. I love that God has gone to somebody uh, who will use her front line, her gifts in business to serve the kingdom. Each one of us can use our influence, our space in the world. I love that she goes to her household first. I want to encourage you, if you live in a family of any kind of description, whether in person or you have to still connect uh, together online somehow, to use your influence to share your faith. Tell the stories of what God is doing in your life, to be light in that family. Both Paul and Lydia understand that to be unleashed means to share the good news of Jesus. I want to ask us to review our lives. How are we sharing our faith so others can hear, whether that's online or in person? How are you creating space in your family for that God conversation? You know, this week, um, Halloween is coming up. And we don't celebrate the darkness, we celebrate the light. And we've got a light trail coming up on Saturday. Make sure you book in families. It's going to be brilliant. And uh, I had the privilege of chatting with some of my family this week to talk about why we don't celebrate Halloween, why we don't celebrate the dark, but actually celebrate the light of Christ, and why it's okay to dress up in a bright princess outfit instead of something different at your school disco. The reality is we can use those opportunities to share our faith very gently To say, hey, we've got a Jesus who loves us, a God who cares about us. Let me share something of that with you. And then finally, not only is she open to the Spirit, not only does she show incredible faith in God and then sharing her faith with others, but she's so courageous. She's got a huge amount of courage. And maybe we need to kind of understand the context a bit. 
Everybody okay with that? You still with me online? Give me a thumbs up in the chat. You still with me in the room? Give me a thumbs up in the room. Okay, we've got a few thumbs up in the room. Uh, give me a thumbs up if you're watching on demand. I won't be able to know if you are, but I'm believing that you and God are having a moment right now. Okay. She's, in, she's got just amazing courage. So Lydia, in this context, in this society, women are not given very high status. They're not really given very many rights. They're not really given very much influence. Somehow, she has managed to move, to start a business, to uh, change her faith, and then fully accept the good news of Jesus. She's used her influence to share this good news with her household. They all got baptized, that sense of baptizing water and the spirit. And then she says to the whole of the team, to Paul and his team, come and stay in my home. What? We don't know you. We barely know you. You need a base. I've got a house. This feels like it's right. Why don't you come and join us? You know, she shows no fear of man. She's not asking permission. She's not worried about what other people will think. She's changed her life, and she wants to be part of others coming to know this great truth and love. I was reading some commentators this week, and let me read you this quote about how this could have been potentially difficult. Having a group of foreign men stay in her house might potentially cause scandal. Hosting meetings where they worshipped a new Jewish Messiah and not an emperor or any of the ancient and socially respectable pagan gods could have ruined her reputation and her business. Receiving Paul and Silas into her home after they were released from prison and asked to leave town was brave. You know, Lydia puts her reputation on the line. She's open about her faith. And in this context, her job, as I've said already, is probably with the wealthy elite. Christianity is seen as this new scrappy faith mostly with a bunch of underdogs leading the charge, you know, fishermen from Galilee. The society that they lived in was all about appeasing the local gods. If I did this thing right and I gave this offering, then maybe they'd be on my side. Maybe they'd somehow improve my life. Maybe they'd get me that contract I'd always wanted. Maybe they'd kind of get me up, up the level in society a little bit. They would have found it difficult to think, how could you choose to follow one god and a new God at that, not realizing the fulfillment of Old Testament. They maybe would have struggled to understand, Lydia, how can your life be shaped by this faith? Now remember, we've got the whole Bible. She would have had the Old Testament and, and maybe some letters that had started going around by this point. Maybe some of the, the eyewitness accounts from Matthew. You know, but they, they wouldn't have had the whole of the New Testament as we have it. Lydia, how can you change your whole life? How can you welcome these people into your home? How can you be a base of operations? How can you host church in your home? How can you follow that? I wonder, does that sound familiar to anyone? How can you let your belief system shape the way you live? That's so weird. Anyone have those conversations with friends or families or colleagues? That just seems really odd to me, that your faith is not like a hobby, like going to the gym but it's, your whole life is shaped around that faith. It's a new life, a new identity. It influences what we do, who we are. It influences how we spend our money, how we raise our kids, how we work with integrity. It influences our desire for that justice, for equality, how we live in relationships, how we view our community and our family and our friends through the lens of God's love. Knowing Jesus and following him isn't an added bonus to get you somewhere in life, but whole life devotion, and it required courage. I still think it requires courage. I think we live in a society where maybe people don't understand why being together is so important, why connecting in faith 
is so vital to our lives. Why? The way that we live, we won't gossip and we won't celebrate Halloween and we uh, won't be dishonest with our money and we won't step over someone to get to somewhere else. That we will be kind even when people are really not very kind to us. That we will show grace when someone messes up and makes a mistake. (laughs) Maybe for some that seems really unusual. But for those of us who are Jesus followers, we know it requires courage. And the amazing thing is God's spirit is with us and within us to empower us, to give us the courage we need to stand in faith. You know, uh, not this week coming, but the week after, we're going to have a, a week of prayer We really felt, um, Rianne's going to share a little bit more about it at the end of our Sunday service, but we really felt that in this season of kind of still a bit of uncertainty, we're not quite sure what's happening, that God was calling us to pray together as a community of people. There'll be lots of different ways that you can do that, but the theme that I really felt God speak to me was actually from another letter of Paul's, Ephesians. We've been studying it together in our life groups, and this idea of being strong in the Lord's mighty power. So we're going to spend a week praying for this idea of stronger, so that we would know a fresh infilling of that courage in order to stand in our faith before God. So often we can become worried about what people think rather than about what God thinks. You know, sometimes we have a desire not to offend others. That's really good. Please don't go around and be deliberately offensive because that might be a whole other conversation. But actually, let's be courageous with our faith. Let's say, like Lydia, God, what have I got? What can I offer to the ministry and mission of the kingdom? How can I be open to your spirit? How can I activate my faith? How can I walk in courage? You know, Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. You know, the church at Philippi was created and founded because of Lydia's open heart and her open home, and it grew because of her faith and courage. So I want to give us an opportunity to respond. We're going to use a song in worship to help us do that, and then I'm going to come back at the end of this song, which is called Stir a Passion, to say, God, I I want more openness. I want to live more by faith. I, I need more courage Lord, I want to bring who I am to the ministry and the mission of the kingdom in the same way that Lydia did. I want to bring and offer it. And maybe I need your perspective on this realignment in my life right now. We're going to pray, stir a passion. Stir up that passion again for Jesus in us. So let's sing this together. If you want to change your posture to stand or to kneel or to put your arms wide open or to simply sit in wonder and praise of God, please feel free to do that uh, wherever and whenever you're engaging with this as we sing and respond together. Stir a passion. Stir a passion in my heart. Let it overflow, let it overflow. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow, let it overflow. Breathe on me, Holy One. Come reveal 
open wide my eyes to see there's so much more Jesus you to stir a passion in our hearts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and review. Come and review our openness. Lord, like the psalmist of old, we say, examine our hearts. We want to walk in the way of Christ. We want to walk with courage and faith. So Holy Spirit, 
Would you speak to us? Wherever and whenever we're engaging with you in this moment, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are actively involved in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you take ordinary people like Lydia and you unleash your spirit and you unleash them into the ministry and mission of the kingdom. God, thank you that you do that with my life and you want to do that with my life in even greater measure. We want to say, Holy Spirit, we are open. We're open to you. We're open to what that looks like in our household. We're open to what that looks like in our workplace, in our front lines. We're open to what that looks like as we're part of Elam Life Church. We're open, Holy Spirit. As you fill us afresh today, as you fill us afresh in this moment, we want to respond with faith and courage. God, I want to thank you that, that you don't discount us when we mess up. You don't discount us when we're lacking in courage. You give us another opportunity, a fresh start. You, you come again and you say, be strong and courageous. I am with you. And Lord, I pray that we would have a growing awareness of your presence in our lives that fuels our faith and fuels our courage. Holy Spirit, thank you that it isn't just about this moment, but about what you want to do with our lives on Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and, and so on and so forth, God. It, it's about how you want us to walk with you and unleashed people. God, I pray for an unleashing of courage in your people that we would be able to stand stronger, that we would be able to stand firm in our faith, that we would have courage and opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, that we would have courage and operate in our faith to say, God, here's what I've got, I bring it to you. Whether that's the gift of hospitality, whether that's a gift of leadership, whether that's a gift of administration, whether that's within a church-related activity or on our front lines or in our family, God, that we would overflow as we're unleashed by your Spirit with courage afresh. God, I continue to pray for us that in this season we would have confidence as we hear your voice. Lord, may we have that posture of Lydia, that attentive, seeking, open-hearted, listening for you to speak posture. God, forgive us when maybe we feel too busy or too distracted or maybe even a little bit too disappointed with what's been going on. Lord, would you redirect our hearts? Would you turn us, our eyes back on you, Jesus? And God, would you open our hearts to your message to us today as individuals and as a church? Say, God, what is it you want me to take away? So Holy Spirit, right now I pray that you'd make it very clear to each one of us what one thing we're to take away and apply to our lives. So we're just going to pause in his presence. I'm not going to speak for a few moments. We're just going to ask Holy Spirit to seal that sense of what he's been saying to us through this message today. Thank you. 
Holy Spirit, would you, would you seal the work that you've done in our hearts through this message, through this call, through this invitation to partner in your ministry and mission in the kingdom, in the different places and spaces that you've called us to. And God, I pray that this week we will have an opportunity to activate our faith in a different way or to share our faith in a different way. And I pray that by the end of the week that we can look back and we will see that moment or moments where we were able to step in courage. And Lord, courage looks different for each of us. Different in this season, different in the places and spaces you've called us to. God, I thank you that your spirit is with us. So help us, Holy Spirit, in all these things we pray. We, we want to be the people of God unleashed. <laughs> not held back, not limited, but unleashed with your presence. To take your love and carry your peace into the world around us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. You know, it's been so good to be able to share God's word with you today, but I have to say you've all been very patient seeing my face uh, sharing God's word with you over these last few months, but the good news is that next week we have a wonderful guest speaker coming, and uh, his name's Andy Worthington. He's from Open Doors, which is an incredible organization that serves the persecuted church. He's a friend of mine, but I'm going to let him introduce himself. Please uh, watch the screen as Andy says hello for next week. Hi Elim Life Church, I'm Andy from Open Doors and I'm really excited and looking forward to being with you on Sunday the 1st of November. I believe I have a message that I hope will inspire and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. I'd also love to share a few stories with you about what God is doing around the world through the persecuted church. People who are willing to, to follow Jesus no matter the cost. Hey, I look forward to being with you on Sunday, the 1st of November. God bless you and I'll see you then.